0: Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 40th chapter, the opening 11 verses. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Comfort, yea, comforts my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her Iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God, behold. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John in the 10th chapter beginning at the 11th verse and continuing. Through verse 21, again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord. As it is there written, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, The Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The sheep of the flock I am tending. I know my own and they know my voice. They may not be able to see me, but they can hear me, the good shepherd. So Jesus metaphorically here explains to his friends another way of imagining our relationship with him. Recently, I had to travel across the bay for an appointment. And can I tell you something? I am so relieved to be back here at Rehoboth. I never was much for crowds of any sort, and that goes for crowds of people, yes, but it also goes for crowds of cars, in other words, traffic. And it seems that the more mature that I grow, the less tolerance I seem to have for crowded venues or crowded streets. Also, serving to raise my blood pressure on my recent jaunt is the fact that I don't like not knowing exactly where I'm going. My destination was new to me. I had never been there before. I had an address, yes, and in the olden days, you might remember, I... I would have a trusty map in my glove box that I could use to guide me to my destination. More recently, I could have gone to a thing called MapQuest and pulled up a custom map and printed it out to study and then take along with me. But as they kid about, in a recent television commercial for an insurance company, to do so is a sign that one is, heaven forbid, turning into one's parents. Today, today, we have trusty onboard navigational assistants that are designed to get us where we need to go no matter what. Just drive along, listen to that guide, make the turns as we're prompted to do so, and voila, we're there. You have arrived at your destination. There are many versions of this voice navigation system I described as having been used in my car in the trip across the bay. Anymore these systems are a dime a dozen. Newer cars come with them as a as a basic option. And then there are a, a wide range of third party companies that make standalone versions that you can put in the car with you. They're they're small enough that you can put in your pocket. Take pretty much anywhere that you go. Each one is slightly different and has its own inherent strengths and weaknesses, but I'm sorry. I still like to know where I am and where I am going. It helps perpetuate the myth in me that I am somehow in control. So I find myself a bit uneasy as these instructions came to me from a disembodied voice earlier this week. I didn't have visuals, well, okay, I did, but they were on such a small screen that I couldn't see them while I was driving. So, as I didn't dare to take my eyes off the road in the heavy traffic on these unfamiliar streets in this hostile land across the bay, I simply had to trust that this voice knew where I needed to go and would tell me what I needed to do to get there. But again, that wasn't quite enough. Once, for example, I took a turn. I had estimated that it was, as she had told me, 500 yards ahead. I should have made that turn in what turned out to be a thousand yards ahead after having been too anxious to get into the turn lane, I was left having to reroute. All the while I was arguing with the voice that this new set of instructions she was giving me didn't look right from where I was sitting behind the wheel. With few options other than coming to a complete stop in the middle of a busy street to consult a map, all I could do was to protest to sweat and to try to stay focused. So it is, I imagine, with the sheep in the flock that Jesus is tending. I understand that sheep are perhaps not the brightest animals that God had ever created and on their own. They don't always make the best of choices They are in need, therefore, of a guide, one who would gently lead them to water and to shelter and in and out of pastures. But they can seem rather reluctant to follow instructions, and they need a a gentle staff or a trained sheepdog to help them to do what's best for them. We also need some help. And we are constantly evaluating an endless stream of voices that are tickling our ears, telling us what's best for us. Sometimes we are more aware than others, but we are continually making judgments about these voices and the various messages that they are conveying to us. Some are immediately unappealing, either on account of their content or their presentation, And so we we dismiss them right out of hand. Many others, though, take a while longer for us to judge their relevance and their trustworthiness. Some of them are the hired hands that Jesus was referring to here. Uh, These are people whose actions belie their speech, the, the sunshine patriots, as it were. And it can be a daunting task to process and evaluate all this input. Uh, There has been for several seasons now a talent-based television program that has attracted a pretty faithful audience. It's simply called The Voice. One can guess the premise. Judges decide, as they do in everything anymore these days, who they like listening to best. Well, it's that way with us, too, really. Though this show is only a few years old, I doubt what they're doing there is a new phenomenon. I expect that the folks who heard Jesus, the ones who listened to his teaching about this good shepherd, even in as technologically unsophisticated a time and place as he was traveling amidst, they too had been presented with an array of voices that they had to evaluate and to choose from and to judge. Perhaps they weren't subject to the sheer quantity that we are subjected to nowadays, but there was a degree of critical analysis that was called for then, just as there is today. As I try to connect these observations to the what's next theme that we have been considering since Easter, you may recall that a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that I was looking forward to participating in a multi-session course on storytelling for it in the church. Well, it's underway Now. And one important lesson that has come out of the field of marketing that is being explained and explored in this course is the centrality of a customer-centric approach to corporate and, by extension, church communication. In other words, in order to engage people or, or the sheep, in the case of Jesus' example, of the good shepherd, we need to remember that the stories that we tell ought not to be about us. The the hero of any story is the listener. The sheep, in other words, they want to know what's in it for them. What do we have to offer to them that could be a benefit? Now, the way I hear this morning's gospel reading from John 10, Jesus begins his address here with a remarkably generous statement that as the good shepherd, he will lay down his life For his sheep. His ministry is not benefiting Jesus, but rather it's all about benefiting the sheep, those who are already part of the flock, and those who he is committed to seeking and finding and bringing into the fold. This mind ought then to be in the church as it was in Jesus, to paraphrase what Paul writes in Philippians we don't exist for our own benefit, though that's not to say that we don't derive benefits from her, but ultimately we were brought into existence church for the benefit of others. And that, my workshop leader would say, is the tone of the message that we need to be presenting. Even though we know that the hero of the story which we are telling and the hero of the story that every person we are communicated communicating with, has, either in mind or not in mind, the hero of that story is going to be Jesus Christ. People, and this includes church people, have by nature a sense of self-preservation, this innate desire to protect the self, often manifests itself in a degree of self-centeredness, and that's just the predominant human condition that we have to live with. We have to speak to this as we engage with others. We may know exactly what they need. The same thing, after all, is what we need. That is Jesus. But we can't get to that conversation about how He can meet their need without first establishing what their need is. The need that they are identifying for themselves. It's then that they are far more open to hearing, to listening, to trusting, and to following the voice of the Good Shepherd, a step which is only ever accomplished by the power by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is directly what Steve Atkins is writing to us about this morning. He is asking for prayer as he and his comrades in Salisbury are walking in prayer and praying for the people they meet, that their needs would become evident and that they can introduce these people to the one who can meet all of these needs. Just because we are not the ones to seal the deal doesn't Mean that we aren't supposed to participate in this drama of resurrection, redemption, as no one can win souls for Jesus except Jesus himself. The church and those who comprise her remain obligated to seeking those who are unfamiliar with the voice of the Good Shepherd. And as we encounter them all around us, We're invited to identify their deep needs, the ones that can only be met through the divine touch of Jesus. They have to know of the one whose voice continues to speak, to call us all by the name from amidst all the background noise of the world. Many will, like the Jews that are referred to in this passage from John, think that this Jesus who is speaking to them is crazy. Others, though, will accept and believe Him to be on their side, seeking to direct them to a new life abundant and eternal. Just as His is the name above all names, His is the voice above all the world's voices, above even that of the navigation system in my car. He knows where I'm supposed to be going, and he knows how I can get there through the Spirit, we recognize this voice above all others because we've heard it the longest, because it is the most familiar to us, even if it might have been a while since we last heard it. But though we might have taken a sabbatical from hearing it, the voice, that voice, it hasn't stopped speaking to us. That voice is the voice of the one who will, like a shepherd, lead us. Sometimes, despite our own better instincts and our own best arguments, it has led and it will lead us to dream and to dare some perilous adventures. But through it all, the good shepherd is right here with us guiding, protecting, even sacrificing himself for us. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.